Good morning. I'd like to take a few moments to speak with you about some changes. I'll be taking a break from recording new material. Programming through the end of the church year will be pre-recorded from the 2019 homilies and will continue to follow the churchal calendar. I know many of you are new listeners, and I'm delighted that you're open your hearts to my teaching and my preaching. I I know it's always a privilege for me to imagine that you allow me to enter into you and to awaken in you the, the awareness that you need and I need in order to be in this world as God intends us to be. So thank you for listening. I've been doing this for 35 years in Dallas on a radio program, and those have been wonderful years. And to be able to reach out to more people has been exciting, and I'm filled with some enthusiasm about it. So I pray you've enjoyed what you've heard so far, and um, you'll listen to me a couple of years ago and see how I sounded then. You'll be able to continue hearing my weekly homilies on our homepage at pastorreflectionsinstitute.com. You can continue hearing my homilies by subscribing to our podcast, recently renamed Finding God in Our Hearts, anywhere you find your podcasts. Thank you, and God bless you. Good morning. Today we celebrate the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, the opening prayer. Grant us, we pray, O Lord our God, the constant gladness of being devoted to you, for it is full and lasting happiness to serve you with constancy, the author of all that is good. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Malachi, 3rd chapter, 19th and 20th verse. Lo, the day is coming, blazing like an oven, when all the proud and all evildoers will be stubble. And the day is coming, and will be set. they will be set on fire, leaving them neither root nor branch, says the Lord of hosts. But for you, who fear my name, there will arise the Son of Justice, with its healing rays. The word of the Lord. Sponsorial Psalm, The Lord comes to rule the earth with justice. A reading from the New Testament from the second letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians, third chapter, 7 through the 12th verse. Brothers and sisters, you know how one must imitate us For we did not act in a disorderly way among you, nor did we eat food received free from anyone. On the contrary, in toil and in drudgery, night and day, we worked so as not to burden any of you. Not that we do not have the right. Rather, we wanted to present ourselves as a model for you so that you might imitate us. In fact, when we were with you, we instructed you that if anyone was unwilling to work, neither should they eat. We hear that some some of you are conducting yourselves in a disorderly way, not keeping busy but minding the busyness of others. Such people we instruct and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to work quietly and to eat their own food. The word of the Lord. Alleluia verse, stand erect and raise your heads because your redemption is at hand. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke, 
21st chapter, 5th through the 19th verse. While some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, Jesus said, All that you see here, the day will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Then they asked him, Teacher, when will this happen? And what sign will there be when all these things are about to happen? He answered, See that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, or the time has come. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for such things must happen first, but it will not immediately be the end. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines, plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. Before all this happens, however, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and to prisons. and They will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead to your giving testimony. Remember, you are not to prepare your defense beforehand, for I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking that all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death, who be hated by all because of my name. But not a hair of your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you. 
Today, we are celebrating the last Sunday of the church year, the 33rd Sunday. Next Sunday, we will celebrate the Feast of Christ the King that ends the liturgical year, and then we begin with the first Sunday of Advent. So to help us understand why these particular readings are the end of this liturgical year, I'd like to look at what we started with um, 12 months ago almost. And it was simply this. It was the story of John the Baptist proclaiming to the world that something new was coming. Stay awake. Stay alert. The kingdom is now. The kingdom is here. Something radically new is coming. If you've ever tried to bring to somebody a, a radical new vision of the world, as Jesus was seeking to do, you know that very often you reach, you, you experience the same thing that Jesus experienced, and that is rejection. And not just, no, I'm not interested in what you say, but what you hear him describing for his disciples, the same thing will happen to him. They will be hated. They'll be rejected. They'll be persecuted. They'll be killed, even by those that are close to them. What is that about? Why so much resistance? Why is it that when someone brings to someone's imagination a new vision of the world that is more peaceful, more beautiful, more loving, why would they reject it? I think it's easy, perhaps, if you give it a little thought, that when you're asking someone to change the principles upon which they've built their life, the principles they live by, made decisions by, and you're telling them that those are not really true, and that they're filled, their, their lives are filled with basing um, what they do on illusions. And if their ego is weak and their ego's all tied up in how they perform, then you're almost doing exactly to them what they want to do back to you. You seem to be persecuting them and destroying them. And so their instinct is to fight back. Now, let's look at this whole issue because I think it's fascinating. Like, what is it about evil that is so opposed to what is good, and how does it work? I guess the big thing is, how does it work? I know the difference is that evil is always trying to propose to someone something that doesn't really work, something that doesn't produce what it promises. It's a lie. It's a half-truth. We experience it over and over again when we're told by the world that if you do certain things, have certain things, you're going to be ecstatically happy, and if you get more of those things, you'll be even more ecstatically happy. And I think most of us realize that the things that the world offers, fame, power, money, possessions, they really don't produce the thing that we long for most, which is this core inner center of peace a way of feeling connected to the entire human race and, and creation and somehow knowing that you have value, you're safe, and you have a gift to give to the world. I mean, that's, that's the truth. That's what we're here for. That's what the goal of the kingdom is, to find that core place of inner peace and you have a sense that you're here for a really powerful reason 
and the joy of offering that gift to the world is more satisfaction than any possession or anything you could ever gain through the things that the world offers. Well, that's a radical shift, a radical change, because it's really about seeing your your life as, as a kind of worker, but a worker who so enjoys his work that he can't imagine not working. And that's why I think it's interesting. The second reading is kind of um, fascinating to be placed in this set because it talks about people who are gathering with the community, the new Christians are all together, and then they find people that are really not working. They're just kind of sitting back and, and taking and taking and taking. And, you know, it's like, hey, you know, this, 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 new, this new world, this new kingdom that you're in is a world where you participate in something extraordinary, and you don't just sit back and feed off of it in a kind of, you know, um, lazy sort of taking kind of way. So it's a, it's a kingdom that engages you in a work that is so satisfying and brings so much pleasure that it goes almost completely contrary to the way the world works. And the interesting thing about evil is it has this insidious quality that it really doesn't expose itself fully for what it is. It hides. It hides behind half-truths. And it's interesting because what you can do, what evil tends to do is to infect some part of your personality, some part of the world, some part of thing. And then it really does a job on us because one of the things that I just described as the the goal of the kingdom is to have a sense of your value and your dignity and your worth. And evil has this way of like getting getting into some part of you and you kind of begin to feel and know this is a part of you that you're not proud of. This is a part that is, let's say, greedy, selfish, whatever. And then what you do without realizing it is instead of looking at that as part of you, you see that as all of you. And then you write yourself off. You lose confidence in yourself. We do the same thing to everybody around us. It's so fascinating to me when you see you know, a public figure who does something wrong or you see anything um, uh, about a, a clergyman or a teacher or whatever. And I'm not talking about the most serious infractions. I'm not talking about molestation or, or some horrible thing. But I'm just saying when, when, when you are perceiving someone as, and all you see is their failure, their weakness, their, their one big problem, you write them off, you know? And, and, and there's nothing further from the truth because evil is that kind of insidious thing that distorts our perception. And, you know, I, I hear people saying all the time, you know, God, the world is so bad, it's all evil, it's all going in the wrong direction, we're all going to go down the tube. And, and why? Because there are things in the world that are not healthy and not good, and, and we tend to forget all that is good, all that is wonderful, all that is powerful, all that is loving. That's another way evil gets in the way of keeping us into the, or helping us to stay in this kingdom place. So another thing about evil I think is fascinating, as you see in the first reading, is there is something there about good and evil, and that is that evil will always seemingly self-destruct. It self-destructs. 
And there's the image. A great fire comes and it burns up all those who are evil. The thing is fascinating about that image is when you look at any system, any company, any organization that becomes corrupt and becomes nothing more than a, an institution that takes and uses and abuses those that come to it for help, you know that that is going to collapse. Thank God. And we've seen collapse after collapse after class of, of businesses and organizations that simply have lost their focus. But that same powerful fire image that destroys those, that completely wipes them out, is also the fire that's in the sun that is the radiance of some kind of wisdom and light that comes into those that are just. And that gives me great hope that we have this realization that good is stronger than evil, and evil always somehow destroys itself. The danger is that it takes so many good people <laughs> with it. Now let's look at the, the gospel, because the gospel is, is fascinating in the sense that it is a confusing piece because it seems that it's talking about the end of the world and all these famines and earthquakes are going to come before the end. And, you know, I don't... A couple things you have to remember is people that lived at the time of Christ felt the second coming, the end was going to come in their life. Even Paul would advise people, don't buy a house, don't get married. You know, it's all going to end in a little while. So the end of the world was kind of considered to be something imminent. But at the same time, what you're, I think, hearing in this particular passage is the end of the corruption that is in the institution that Jesus longed to change. I have to admit, many times I talk about the Old Testament in a negative way because I'm really not talking about the fullness and the richness and the beauty of the Old Testament, but I'm really talking about the way that Jesus confronted the corruption that was in the church, in the temple, in the men who ran it who had no real desire, no real focus on being of service. They used the system to serve them. That was the classic dilemma. And so when Jesus is talking about this, this is all going to fall down. This is all going to, you know, there's not going to be a stone left on a stone. He, he's not against the temple, obviously, but he's against the corruption that's in it. And when it, he's sort of underscoring the fact that when somebody, when some institution decides to go in a direction that is evil, that is about taking instead of giving, about using instead of serving, you know, it's going to it's going to destroy. It's going to be it's going to self destruct, and that's what Jesus is stressing. And then he goes on to say that all kinds of things are going to be coming about the end of the world. But don't 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 get excited about. Somebody telling you it's going to happen. I and mean, it's, it's, Jesus even then was saying, even though the disciples all thought it was going to happen really quick, he said, be careful of that. It's, it's, that's a plan that I would even say that Jesus, as a human being, had no real knowledge fully of the way that was all going to turn out. I'm not talking about him as God, but as a human. And that's how he presented himself to the world. So here we have, you know, image after image of things that I pray and hope will give us tremendous amounts of hope. Meaning hope is not that I, I'd like it, I hope, maybe, perhaps it'll work. 
But hope is that incredible virtue that tells you that everything is working toward the good. Everything. Everything. And when your intention is focused on that, when your desire is not to, con- not to retaliate against those who resist you with the same kind of hatred, but to look at them and to do what Jesus did on the cross, and, and that is to look at them and say they really don't know what they're doing. And the people who did what they did to Jesus, the rejection they, they had for him and his disciples, they didn't know what they were doing. They were panicky. They were frightened. They were, they were trying to survive. Now, that doesn't excuse what they did, but it doesn't make them into these terrible, evil people that we think people are. It's Evil is something that gets into us. It isn't that we are that. Even you look at the worst image of evil out there, ISIS. is. I mean, I know this isn't an easy thing to hear, but, but you know, those people are victims as well as the horror that they do to their victims, but they too are caught in some illusion, some half-truth, some misconception that they're doing something that is good. They're doing something for God. It gives you another sense of how evil is so insidious because it actually convinces people that what they're doing is for a good reason when it's literally working against everything that goodness is and that love is and that compassion and empathy are. So we're ending the church year then on a note of, of, I think, hope, even though you might read these readings and say, oh, it's all going to end and it's all going to implode and there's going to be great, horrible uh, events and then it's all, we're all going to be burned up. And um, if, you change, if you change that image of being burned up to being purified, If you change the image that evil is stronger than good, which some people really believe, then you can sit back and look at this entire situation with more of a curiosity than a depression. Isn't it interesting how it's all working out? Isn't it interesting the issues that we're having to deal with today? They're not issues we dealt with in the past, and that has to mean that there's something major happening in the world. And it strikes me that there's more good in the world than ever, and there seems to be more evil in the world than ever. I don't know whether that's really true, but we're certainly seeing it with clearer eyes. And I think when you see it and you can feel its its phoniness and its emptiness and its self-centeredness, that might do more than anything to keep moving us toward the kingdom, that kingdom of service, that kingdom of, of love and care for the people that we have around us that we know. We want to be free.
Closing prayer. Father, your gift to us is wisdom, the ability to see, to know, to be conscious of what is valuable, what is real, what is life-giving. As you awaken us to this knowledge, to this awareness, bless us with compassion, empathy for our own faults, our own missteps, and those of those around us who are still caught in blindness. We can truly be an agent of peace and love and union in the world, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to remind you that the program you just listened to is available on our website, pastorreflectionsinstitute.com, as well as on our podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Finding God in Ourselves. It's free to listen to anywhere, anytime. This ministry also needs your support, so make a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation on our website. Thank you so much for your listenership and your continued support, for without it, this program would not be possible. Thank you. The music in our program was composed and produced by Ryan Harner for this show. Pastoral Reflections with Monsignor Don Fisher, a listener-supported program, is archived and available on our website, pastoralreflectionsinstitute.com, and available anytime, anywhere, and for free on our podcast, Finding God in Our Hearts. You can search and subscribe to Finding God in Our Hearts anywhere you download your podcasts. Pastoral Reflections with Monsignor Don Fisher is funded with kind donations by listeners just like you. You can make a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation on our website, pastoralreflectionsinstitute.com. We thank you for your listenership and your continued support. Without it, this program would not be possible. Pastoral Reflections with Monsignor Don Fisher is a production of the Pastoral Reflections Institute a nonprofit in Dallas, Texas, dedicated to enriching your spiritual journey. Executive producer, Monsignor Don Fisher. Produced by Kyle Cross and recorded in Pastoral Reflections Institute Studios. Copyright 2022.